Pastor Xavier Reed, and true service. A sign read, there is no limit to the good that a man can do if he doesn't care who gets the credit. If you and I are really not concerned with who gets the credit, we will be free to enjoy and to do all that God has us to do and what we see that needs to be done. It's refreshing when that happens. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many men and women spend their lives seeking recognition, trying to make a mark, leave a legacy? Well, Pastor Xavier says the only mark a Christian should leave is the one that exalts Christ and not self. That's the simple truth he draws today from his study of Philippians chapter 2. Let's join him for a message titled, Epaphroditus, the Servant. There was a dog that always thought he was real fast, boasting to all the other dogs how fast he was. One day this rabbit came by and he took off and the dog went after him. The rabbit outran him. So when he came back in the neighborhood, the dogs kind of ridicule him, you know, make mocking him and all that. And he goes, well, you've got to understand. The rabbit was running for his life. I was only running for my dinner. Jesus is our life, not just our dinner. Too many Christians, too many people come to the church, come for the wrong reasons. Hey, they think he's a meal ticket, not what he is. Paul has already told us he's our life in chapter 1. In chapter 2, tell you he's our mind. Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said, I do believe it is before every Christian either to serve his God with all his heart or to fall into sin. I believe we must either go forward or we must fall. The rule is in Christian life. If we do not bring forth fruit unto the Lord our God, we shall lose even our leaves and stand like Winter trees, bare and withered. Paul the Apostle has just reproved the Philippians for their lack of unity and humility after the example of Christ, the one who was obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. But knowing man, Paul knew that there would be still some who would say, well, he was God, we are mere men. We can't do that. And so he goes on to give three examples of men of mere flesh who could be like their master. He gives himself, he gives Timothy, and he gives Epaphroditus. It is in these verses, verses 25 to 30, that we see Epaphroditus as he is portrayed by Paul as a suffering servant. And he's characterized by Three things. Let me read here, verse 25 on down. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on me, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be blessed, less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, 
in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Three things characterize here Epaphroditus, the suffering servant. First, Epaphroditus was a committed servant in verse 25. Secondly, Epaphroditus was a caring servant, verse 26 to 28. And then thirdly, Epaphroditus was a commended servant, verse 29 and 30. The foundation is commitment. Here we have Epaphroditus. He was a committed servant in verse 25. Notice first, Paul describes Epaphroditus as a brother. And the word brother, as you know, literally means from the same womb. He was a kinsman based on the fact that both Paul and he belonged to the same family. Every time we use the word brother, and you know, through the 60s and 70s, different times, people say, oh, you're, we're brothers, you know, and because of a movement, because of a sorority, because of a club, or whatever it may be. It identifies a clothedness, a, a, a knit group. The occasion that prompted the subject was the Apostle Paul considering it necessary to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. Paul has just told him that he's going to send Timothy in verse 23, and then he tells him in verse 24 that he himself also is going to go. But he says he found it necessary, and the word necessary means indispensable, under the circumstances. The same word is translated more needful in chapter 1, verse 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Epaphroditus had been sick near unto death, we're told, and we'll see that in verse 27. So his condition had much to do with his decision. He and Paul experienced the same life-giving experience through the new birth by accepting Jesus Christ. And they were at opposite ends. Paul, a Jew, schooled on the Gamaliel, Epaphroditus, as we'll see, a Gentile, separated from God. His name means charming from the goddess of love, Epaphroditus, or Venus. He had been charmed by the idolatrous deception of religion and blinded from the truth of God. And so many people are today. There is such devotion to a man, to a cause, to a movement, to a belief and philosophy that has no scriptural basis for it. People are very sincere. They are willing to die for their false beliefs. He now had encountered the Son of God's love and had been set free to see the truth of God's word by the illuminating work of the Spirit of God. And this fact made both he and Paul one. He was committed in his new life, through his new birth, to walk in the same light that Paul was walking in. And yet he was a Gentile. Notice, secondly, that Paul describes Epaphroditus as a fellow worker. Uh, the phrase fellow worker is pretty self-explanatory. It means one with work or a companion with working with another. Now, the word is used of Priscilla and Aquila. You remember that that uh, team uh, of husband and wife in Romans 16, 3, Paul's real good friends, they risked their lives for him also. Uh, the word is used of Paul and Apollos as fellow workers with God in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. The apostle Paul indirectly is acknowledging 
the unity of the body through diversity, many members, one body, which he tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. See, this is key, that you see yourself as one member that fits into the body, but there are many, many members. It's a picture that is lost often in the crowds. Gifts differ, and they're dispersed severally as God wills according to his pleasure, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, and 18 says. I did not choose my gift of teaching. I did not call myself to be a pastor. God severally does this as he wills, and the same with you. Gifts may be the same, but they operate differently in different manners and fashions at times, 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says. You may have the gift of evangelism and five other people also. One may do it through music, one may do it through witnessing, another may do it through art, different ways. One may do it through preaching, but it's the same gift. Gifts, remember, are always for the edification of the body. The Apostle Paul notices testifying that his brother Epaphroditus saw himself as a necessary and functioning part of the body of Christ with others. This is commendable. Where somebody can see you and they say, you know, he, he's caught the vision. He understands what the nature of the church. He, he, he knows what, what part he plays. He knows God's will for his life. Having at least one gift, he understood that. 1 Peter 4.10. Having to give an account to God at the beam of seat of Christ one day for his very service in 1 Corinthians 13 through 15. Having in mind that only what is done out of the motivation of agape love will God reward. Everything else will be consumed by the fire, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Any person who is active understands these things because that's the only way it's honored. Notice thirdly, Paul describes Epaphroditus next as a fellow soldier. The phrase simply means a man of war with someone else. The phrase appears only one other time in the New Testament, and that's in Philemon, verse 2, because there's only one chapter there, regarding Archippus. And when I think of a fellow soldier as one who, who is on the same side, one who is courageous, one who is willing to lay his life down, one who is in dangers and in perils, one who must be ready, instant, in season, out of season, Timothy himself was encouraged by Paul in 2 Timothy 2.3 to endure hardship as a good soldier of the cross. Paul had left him there at Ephesus, and Paul understood how nasty people can be. He understood the pressures and the attacks on the pastor, and he knew the Ephesians. He had been there for three years. And so he tells them, hang in there, man. It's a warfare. The indirect implication being that the Christian life is a warfare, not only for the one who's a pastor, but for all of us. The warfare is not carnal, but spiritual. Ephesians 6, 12 says, principalities, powers, dominions of darkness. We can't see the enemy, but we can sure see him work. Do you see him work? Don't get caught up that you don't see him. You know his activities. You know his goals. You know his purposes. The weapons are not carnal either, but spiritual, mighty through God, bringing down strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10.4. Prayer, the word, and filling of the Holy Spirit, the only weapons you and I have. No other ones will do. 
The armor is provided by God in Ephesians 6.11. The armor of God, put it on. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, girded with the loins of truth, the shoes of peace, the gospel. His armor, mine will not do. You see, the fellow soldier Paphroditus was committed to the spiritual warfare that could very well have real, lasting consequences. He had identified himself with this accused man, Paul of Tarsus, which would make him a suspect to the very same crime. If someone, if the FBI is after one of your friends or your cousin or brother or sister, you don't go hang out with them at McDonald's because you become an accomplice. Epaphroditus came all the way from Philippi, and he would be suspect. He would be attacked spiritually more intense in view of his commitment than at any other time. And you need to understand this. When you start getting serious with God, and you start getting committed, there's more attack upon your life than ever before because he wants to distract you. He wants to discourage you. But notice, fourthly, Paul describes Epaphroditus as a messenger. And the word simply means one sent out, an ambassador, an apostle. The Philippians had sent Epaphroditus as a commissioned delegate to the apostle to deliver, first of all, a financial gift, which he told us in chapter 4, verse 18, and also to aid Paul in his knees. He tells us that in chapter 2 here at the end of verse 30. Now, notice the word your. It's emphatic in the Greek. Epaphroditus was one of the Philippians. He was their representative. They had sent him. He had willingly come. The messenger of Epaphroditus had been committed to travel a long journey of about 800 miles on behalf of the Philippians. Traveling was very dangerous in those days. You'd get ill, you'd get assaulted by thieves and possibly kill you, or you get shipwrecked and you're dead. So don't think of him getting on a 747 in two hours being down there with Paul <laughs> or getting into an air-conditioned car and turning up the jams and driving down the street. It's a whole different game. In itself, it marked commitment. But it seems that Paul can't say enough about this man, and so fifthly, Paul describes Epaphroditus as one who ministered to my needs. And the word minister means a public servant of the state. This word is used of a man who would fund a city function at his own expense, be it a play, he would flip the bill. If he saw an athlete that he wanted to invest in, I'll sponsor him at the Olympic Games or something, at his own expense. The word is used by Paul for the government officials in Romans 13.6, really depicting what they should be. The word is used of God's angels, ministers of flame of fire in Hebrews 1.7. And the word is used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, for the special consecration of the priest and the Levite. The apostle Paul was saying that Epaphroditus was one who served at his own expense. This is rare. To serve the Lord is a privilege. The apostle 
goes out of his way, notice, to point out that Epaphroditus was the very one to minister to his needs. The same word in a different form is used of Paul for his service to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering and a sacrifice and service, there it is, same word in a different form. Now, that very same form you find here in verse 17, you find in verse 30 regarding Epaphroditus' service to Paul. So it's the same word in verse 17 and 30, a different form from the one we're studying here, but the same root word. In other words, here you have these men who have the same mind, who served the Lord out of love, and it cost them to serve. Didn't Jesus always say that we are to go the second mile? You see, on the Roman law, if they found you on the road and he didn't want to carry his load anymore, he could force you to carry at least one mile. Jesus says, you know what? Blow his mind. Take it too. <laughs> the very word marks Epaphroditus as a generous person thinking of others' needs, not just his own, just like his Lord, because he's the model of what he's just expounded before this. You see, the man of Epaphroditus was committed to meet the needs of Paul, not just to accomplish a duty. It is sad when passion is lost, when passion is lost from a marriage, when passion is lost on a trade or a profession, when passion is lost for a friendship, and all of a sudden it becomes just a drudgery. It was not so with these men. Epaphroditus did not think it just a duty. He was committed out of his heart of love to meet the needs of Paul. His heart and soul was in the commission. His heart and soul was in his love for Paul. His heart and soul were in the work that God was doing in him and through him. A sign read, there is no limit to the good that a man can do if he doesn't care who gets the credit. If you and I are really not concerned with who gets the credit, we will be free to enjoy and to do all that God has us to do and what we see that needs to be done. And we just do it and it's done and, okay, let's move on. It's refreshing when that happens. If we're going to be committed servants like Epaphroditus, then we need to recognize that being born again is only the first step to being a fellow worker. If you and I are fellow workers, then we know we fit in the body for effective work somewhere. Whether you come to this church or you go to another church, you fit somewhere in the work of God. But also a fellow soldier I move on to that. Faithfully opposing and being victorious over the attacks on my life to hinder me from service. Listen, Satan will always attempt to hinder you to serve. Always. Because he wants you to think of yourself above everybody else. Why? Because he wants you to be miserable. It's attractive at first, but it gets old. But then also a messenger. 
one who can be trusted and faithfully fulfilling the job that I'm sent to do, whatever it may be. That I'm not so concerned about being around the crowd of those who are known or where everybody is, but that I want to be where God has me. That's the most important thing. But also a person ministering even when it costs me, knowing that Jesus paid the greatest price for me. He gave his life. And so he is my model. You see, you are not my example, nor is any other pastor my example. My example is Jesus Christ. And I have to keep that very, very clear in my mind, in my heart. Epaphroditus was a committed servant. But secondly, Paul says that Epaphroditus was a caring servant. Because you can be committed and not really caring. Verses 26 to 28 gives us this. And Paul is going to give us here the reasons why he was sending him back before Timothy, which depicts his caring nature here. Notice first in verse 26, Paul declares that Epaphroditus was missing the Philippians. Since he was longing for you all. Epaphras was longing for the Philippians. The word longing simply means to yearn or to greatly desire. This marks his affection for them. There was a relationship. There was a love relationship. Anytime you talk to anybody who's in love, I mean, you know, a bride that's going to get married. You know, you go, hey, I hear you getting married. You go, oh, yeah. Well, when is it? Oh, about four months ago. No, they're, oh, yeah, they're just full. And they're, oh, and you should see him. And he's just a doll. You know, he just, I mean. They're excited. There's a passion. There was a relationship going on here. The word is used of Paul's longing, affection for the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 8. How I greatly long for you. The word is used of Jesus, or by James, for the Holy Spirit who longs or yearns in jealousy towards us so that we're sold out to God in James 4, 5. Same word. This is the one reason why Paul stated that it was necessary to send Epaphroditus back to them. Simply, he was homesick. You ever been homesick? You've been gone for a while or gone too long? <laughs> gone for the first time? Homesick. Epaphroditus was a witness of being a disciple of Jesus Christ by his love. He truly believed that by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another in John 13, 35. He understood that. But notice, secondly, that Paul declares Epaphroditus was concerned for their concern over his sickness. <laughs> and here's where you see the relationship. They're worried about him, and now he's worried about them because they're worried about him. This is the second reason why Paul said it was necessary to send Epaphroditus back. Notice the word, distressed. He was distressed, which means sore trouble, full of heaviness, anguish, even depressed. So Epaphroditus is worried that they're worried about him, and then Paul is worried about Epaphroditus and the Philippians because they miss him too. There's a mutual love triangle going on here. Very important. Pastor Xavier Reese and the impact of love and ministry when it's done for God's glory.
Now, if you'd like, you can hear this message again online simply by browsing for today's date when you click on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And next time we're together, we'll present the conclusion of this message. But if you won't be able to tune in, you can pick up your own copy on CD. The title to ask for is Epaphroditus the Servant. It's available for only $4. And this is a great way to share this ministry with someone else you know. Now, Once again, the title to ask for is Epaphroditus the Servant. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What happens when you live your life without serving? And that's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 